your home of the Pens and the best Pens covering. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. To begin this final hour of the Mark Madden Show from Buford's across the street from PPG Paints Arena, Tim Benz in for Mark. Uh, we got lots of hockey talk coming up in the back end with Josh Yowie, and um, we're also going to hear from Mike Rupp a little bit too before we hit the top of the hour in the network pregame show. But I, I just want to—I want to frame this from a different point of view. I, I want to try to attack this Le'Veon Bell conversation backwards, if you will, because the vast majority of calls that we've taken either yesterday or today, when the Lev Bell conversation has come up, have been from people saying, let him go, let him walk. We took a few yesterday saying, at least keep him on the franchise tag, which is what I want to do. But there are very few, few and far between voices out there that say, get Lev Bell signed and have him on a long-term deal. So I kind of want to recreate the conversation from a different view here. All right, And we are brought to you by Matt, Matt Mertz Plumbing, counting a name you can trust. What if Bell had signed? Uh, what if he had signed last year? What if they had offered him the contract and instead of pulling out at the last minute like he did as he apparently was ready to sign, and if those numbers are accurate, would there be, peop- would there be people here in Pittsburgh regretting it? Like r- right now, would we be saying to ourselves, you know what, boy was it stupid to keep Le'Veon Bell. No. It wouldn't have been. This would not have been a deal where we would have been saying, gosh, I hope the Steelers can get out of this. How can they possibly get out of this? Because they signed him and he had a productive season, especially after the first five games. Like, just as a for instance, and again, I'm trying to view this backwards for a reason and give you the hypothetical of if he had signed. Because I think emotion has very much come into play, don't you think? And go ahead, if you disagree with me, if you are saying to yourself right now, boy, it's a good thing he didn't sign, then call me, 412-333-9939. But if he had signed, let me refresh your memory on what the numbers were. Reports this summer stated that the Bell offer was a five-year contract worth a little bit more than $60 million with $30 million over 2017 and 2018 and an additional $12 million for the third season. So that would have been 15 15 and 12, roughly. So if you had Le'Veon Bell for 15 million this year and 12 million next season, would you have been upset about that? Like, my point is, I think we're mad about the fact that he tweeted before the Jacksonville game. I think we're mad about the fact that he said something stupid about maybe retiring during the offseason. I think we're mad about the fact that he stayed out of camp, and I think we're mad about the fact that he got off to a slow start. And because of all the baggage that's gone along with him, we take the football financial angle and try to morph that to make us feel better to make our argument. That's sort of my point on this. Like, okay, uh, let's go back to what he said during the Pro Bowl when he was on the NFL Network. Um, he was asked, I, I'm sorry, I don't remember who asked him the question. It might have been Michael Robinson, the former Penn State guy, actually. But somebody asked Lev Bell on that set, what if they gave you $50 million guaranteed? Would you sign? And he goes, absolutely. And then the follow-up question was, okay, what about $30 million? And he goes, mm, um, I don't know. Okay, so if, mm, uh, I don't know, is 30 and absolutely I'd do 50 let's split the difference. Let's call it 40 Let's call 40. Guaranteed. 
If you go 16, 16, and 8 over 2018, 19, and 20, how different would that have been from what the Steelers really wanted in the first place? And if the Steelers got him on the number that they wanted to get him, would you be mad about it today? Because I don't think we would. Like, I, I don't think, because even when he makes the threat, it's not like people really think he's going to retire if they franchise him. But I think there's some revisionist history about how we um, would have felt if that offer was accepted in that 24-hour window before the tag expired and they had to use it. You know, if they go with 40 and they go 16, 16, and 8, that's not all that much different than if the three years worked out and they would have had to keep them on a four-year deal anyway based in terms of cash payout that Lev would have gotten. You know, the extra year now going into 2020, as opposed to where the Steelers would have been feeling comfortable in 2019, that's the risk. I get it. But I do think we're letting our emotions of being mad at Lev Bell for how he's handled things get in the way of whether or not the foot... Like, w- Would there be people out there say, gosh, I wish they didn't keep Le'Veon Bell and they would have tried to create a, a trinity of running backs like LeGarrette Blunt and Corey Clement and Jay Ajayi? Like, same thing with Antonio. Is anybody saying we regret the Antonio Brown decision right now? So look, I, I'm, I'm on record and I stand by it. I think the smartest thing to do is franchise him. I do. But for the people who are saying just let him go, push him out the door, it'd be stupid to sign him. I don't know. I, I think we're, we're attaching a little bit of revisionist history to that. Kevin in Chippewa, go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Hey. Hey. Uh, I'm calling. I think uh, that they definitely need to uh, keep on Kevin, i got to let you go. Your cell phone is terrible. Let's go to Ethan calling from his car phone. Hi, Ethan. Hi, Tim. Yeah, I just wanted to agree with you. I think um, we should definitely keep Love Bell. Um, you're, you're right. I think probably what's going to happen is they'll franchise tag him, but I'm on the uh, end of let's sign him long term. But I think like where the negative uh, negativity is coming with Love Bell is like we just don't have, and we're Pittsburgh's pretty much blue collar, and then we just don't have the conception of how much money he's getting. But I mean, we do. It's like uh, we do because we we just saw it given to Antonio Brown and he lived up to it. Yeah, you know, definitely with Antonio Brown. But I I just I just feel like overall, like the we just uh, with with like Lev Bell's like suspensions and stuff. It, people just don't think he's worth it in that respect. But like I just the, like I said, I don't think we just overall. Have, uh, most people don't have Yeah, the, I know. You, uh, get, you get scared by the number. I get the fact. You, were, the call, yeah. I, I, you get scared off by the number, but you shouldn't because, like I said, the, these are the waters in which we swim, um, and, and nobody seems scared off by the number. Well, some did, but I, I know a lot of people that were celebrating the notion of Dante Hightower, and that would have been a huge number, too. Tim in Freeport. Go ahead. You're on 105.9 The X. Yeah, Tim. I mean, I agree with you. They should franchise tag them. Uh, I don't think I, I'd be worried immediately if they signed him long term but i do think always in the back of my mind i'd be worried about how much they use him and whether or not he could last through the contract i'd really if it didn't have an out in it for the team that would worry me uh yeah there would be an out there's basically an out after i think it's three years for antonio brown uh there even is one after 2019 on what remains of the roethlisberger contract thanks for checking in tim so yeah these outs are built in to the point that it makes it uh, a smart decision for the teams. They make sure they don't bind themselves up too much. But, you know, I, I don't think we'd be having a discussion right now saying, 
dang, was that stupid that they signed Lev Bell for as long as they did because Ryan Shazier got hurt and they have to find another inside linebacker. We just wouldn't be saying that. You know, and, and most of what made people mad at Bell this year was the fact that he wasn't signed. Like, the holdout itself, we'll call it that. Uh, the five games of the slow start because of him not being there. And, and then after that, uh, what he had to say before the playoffs started about maybe retiring if he got tagged again. So, in essence, the one thing that he did this year that really ticked people off that wasn't directly contract-related were the tweets and the comments about the Jacksonville Jaguars. Everything else has been contract-related. So that stuff wouldn't have happened, and we wouldn't be as mad at him in the first place if he had been signed. Just, I'm saying just keep that in mind when we do our analysis of Lev Bell. 412-333-9939. Uh, lots of people still want to talk about this. Ken, Nate, Josh, we'll get to you coming up next. And uh, also a pirate said something kind of dumb today. Uh, I'll tell you, And it wasn't Clint Hurdle. I'll tell you who it was when we come back. Tim Benson for Mark. Hey, Mark. Great show, as always. When you got a young trophy wife, owes money to... I can't even quote the Big Lebowski right. Goodbye. PX at 105.9. Chapino Restaurant and Cigar Bar, the city's best seafood and chop house located in the Strip, giving you the Mark Madden Show today. Tim Ben's in for Mark at Buford's, right next to BPG Paints Arena. Bud Light Drafts, four three fifty four dollars for aluminum bottles. Josh Yoey joining me later this hour as we get to the Hockey Night Show here on the X before the Network pregame show at 6. Sean Rodriguez, the Pirates, said this to Chris Mack, who does the uh, pre- and post-game on their flagship station that Andrew McCutcheon is one of the best three to five Pirates ever. Uh, talk about being a prisoner of the moment. And look, I know he's propping up this guy, and I'm not exactly asking uh, Sean Rodriguez to be a baseball or Pirate historian, but uh, let's talk about this in the framework of how close to right Rodriguez is. Maybe top ten, not top three to five. Bonds, Clemente, Stargell, Kiner, and Wagner all walks undeniably better than Andrew McCutcheon. Then I don't even know if you could put him in front of either Wainer brother, Parker, Pie Trainer, uh, Al Oliver, throw him into the mix. Uh, I would say this. Uh, top ten, yes. Bottom of the top ten, yes. No way. Three to five. All right, Bob, let's play that clip if we could uh, again from uh, Kevin Colbert. This is the one that I tried to get to in the open last segment before we go to get to the calls. This is him talking about the prospect of a Lev Bell long-term contract extension. Colbert speaking today on the south side. We do know that Le'Veon has been a great player for us. We think he can still be a great player um, from this point forward and would love to have him be a stealer for the rest of his career. Are you out there to tag me an option? We, we never will, we never will um, discount the use of a tag because that's, that's collectively bargained. But, again, our, our goal is to have something done on a long-term basis. Are you optimistic that will happen? I, I, I believe I am. Can I translate that last part? I have no idea. Have you heard this guy talk? He says one thing one day and another thing the next day. Uh, they won't believe that Lev Bell is done until the season starts, even after he signs the contract, I bet. Ken calling from, well, right here downtown. Hi, Ken. Hey, how you doing? Good. Hey, I just, I know this is going to sound a little off, but I'm telling you, I think Lev Bell is overrated if you look at him as just a running back. And my reason but why is, would you do that? Why would you look at him as just a running back when he catches more passes than a lot of wide receivers? Because I feel like it takes away from 
the times that we do need a running back, like the times that we were at fourth and one in the championship game and couldn't trust our running back to get us one yard. Well, maybe if they didn't pitch him wide and they just turned around and handed him the ball behind the fullback that they just signed to an extension, Ken, thanks for the call, uh, they would have gotten that yard. Now, that fourth and one is not on Lev Bell because the play got blown up in front of him and you don't pitch backwards and wide when you need one yard. And Roosevelt Knicks is so damn important to them that they hardly used him. They signed him to an extension anyway, and they didn't bother to put him in on some of the most important plays of the game. Stupid. But that's not on Bell. Nate calling from White Oak. Hi, Nate. Hey, what's going on, Tim? How you doing? Good. Good. Um, I want to first start off by saying I'm not calling to say that I just don't want Lev Bell. I think it would be great if we sign him long term. But here's another way to look at it. Um... Did you? Ha- I haven't heard anybody say mention the free agents that are out there right now. We could sign somebody like a Carlos Hyde or a Jarek McKinnon or a Rex Burkhead or something like it, or an Isaiah Crowell even for way less, and then still have a lot of money left over to add to our defense. And I'm not how much money just- between the difference between the difference of fourteen point five million dollars, whatever you are using on that player. How much more money do you think you're going to get for an inside linebacker when the top inside linebacker last year cost $9 million, $8.5 million in Hightower? Well, I, I would think that you can... Plus, you're probably going to need to use then a draft choice on a running back as well yeah, and, just hope that, and hope that James Conner is healthy. I agree. I agree with that, and that's a lot, but I don't know. I... See, what you're talking about is not a dumb idea, Nate, and you're not the first person to call in with that notion. And a lot of other people have said that. I'm not trying to dismiss that theory, but that theory, I think, needs an extra year to come to fruition and build, which is why I use the franchise tag for what it is. It's also called, in some circles, you know, on a slightly less level, a transition tag. This will be a franchise tag, but with a transition mentality. That's how I view it. Hockey Night Show next. Hockey calls only moving forward. 412-333-9939. Interesting news on the Matt Cullen front as it relates to Minnesota and Pittsburgh. Plus, you're also going to hear what Mike Rupp has to say about the biggest hurdles for the Penguins moving forward the rest of the way. We'll have that coming up for you as the Hockey Night Show takes over from here at Buford's on your home for the Pens, the X. Prince. It's the X's Hockey Night Show with your host, Mark Madden. Brought to you by Shenderovich, Shenderovich, and Fishman. The best hockey talk on your home of the Pens and best Pens coverage, 105.9 The X. Josh Yoey covers the Pittsburgh Penguins for TheAthletic.com, and he's brought to us by Orthopedic Institute at Monongahela Valley Hospital. Tim Benz in for Mark Madden at Buford's across the street from PPG Paints Arena. Brought to you by Bud Light, three fifty for drafts, $4 for aluminum bottles. Josh, to the best of your knowledge, is Dion Phaneuf being stashed at customs at the Pittsburgh airport? You know, it's amazing in the year 2018 that this kind of thing happens. I mean, we're talking the United States and Canada here. You know, we're, we're friends, except for when I'm in divorce court or whatever, but that's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. I no, couldn't help myself. I, I find this quite germane to the conversation. <laughs> what can you tell us about visa issues in your experience, I, especially since, as we talked about during the break, his Canadian <laughs> wife owns a home in Los Angeles to where he has just been traded. How, how do wow. you make this trade and not... He's gone for a week. As someone who has a Canadian ex-wife, I can tell you things can get more difficult than you might imagine in the in the lines of visas and otherwise. Well, I have but, a Canadian uh, mother who's see? American, but she lives in Halifax now. This is a geographical conversation yes. if ever there's been one. 
But I, I mean, like, like I, I'm stunned that they pulled off the trade when they did. If they, you know, couldn't get him before the Winnipeg game it, on the 22nd. It, it doesn't really make sense. Uh, maybe they were concerned there would be an injury. I guess. Maybe I. I don't know. The whole trade was kind of bizarre to begin with. He heard the names involved, and he thought, well, if it was 2009, maybe. Uh, It'd be a big I don't know. trade in 2009. Yeah, it really would have been. Now, gosh, I don't know. So, uh, no, it's, it's strange, but the Penguins don't have to deal with him. He actually usually plays well against the Penguins. He and uh, Crosby have had some pretty good battles over the years, so uh, we will not see that this evening. Yeah, but. no fun enough from a thought moving forward with the Senators. It's going to be harder to hate him. And well, Broussard's going to be a Penguin, so who's going to score against Pittsburgh? what everyone says, right? Do you? No. Okay. I think they would like that, but I think the asking price is basically... They, how much salary would they have to move to make that happen? Would they have to move salary to? They, they would, would, because right? he makes, I think, $5 million. Uh, the problem with Broussard, though, is really the asking well, the price. Well, the pro rated of $5 million. Right. Yeah. They want Daniel Sprong, a first-round pick, and another piece probably on the NHL roster. That's... I like Broussard, but for only a year and a half of him, that's a lot. I made this point yesterday. I want to see if you agree with it. For as much as I may like what Daniel Sprung brings, for as much as you may like what Daniel Sprung brings, how much do they really like Daniel Sprung at this point? By they, I mean um, Sullivan and Rutherford. It's interesting you ask that because I think Jim Rutherford is pretty enamored with him. Uh, he always has been. He, he just thinks... This shot is, is unique. Yeah, he thinks he's just going to be a big-time goal scorer, and you can see why. Maybe he will be. Uh, I will say this. If you want to look for any red flags with Daniel Sprong, he dropped in the draft a lot further than he should have, given his talent. Mike Sullivan clearly is irked by certain things in his game. Mike Johnston was clearly irked by certain things in his game. Uh, remember, Rutherford wanted him playing more when he was 18, and Mike Johnston was the guy who either wouldn't dress him or would play him four minutes a night. So there's something about his game or his attitude that coaches don't like. And I know he's only 20. He's a kid. But it's, it's worth monitoring moving forward, I think. So would they be willing, willing to trade Sprong or Aston Reese for someone of that ilk if the asking price came down from Ottawa? I, maybe. Like uh, if there wasn't the first-round pick and the other NHL yeah. component. I, I don't think either one of those guys is viewed as untouchable. But they would not make a deal for someone who is – they wouldn't involve them in someone who is for a rental. Or for a you know a bottom six player, if you can get a big time you know top six impactful player, perhaps would they do it? Yeah, I, I don't think those two guys are untouchable. I've never viewed them as that way, but I, I still don't know how likely it is that they'll be dealt. Josh Yoey from the Athletic joining us. Your colleague Mike Russo from the Athletic in Minnesota wrote a piece we were just referencing before you came up here to Buford's Josh and that was about the prospects still of maybe Matt Cullen coming back to <laughs> Pittsburgh yeah. I thought that had died on the vine in part because Cullen wasn't playing very well with the Wild he got scratched again on February the 3rd now he's playing pretty well again over the past couple of games he's been good mm -hmm. in the last four is he playing his way back to Pittsburgh or is he playing his way to stay in Minnesota uh -huh. Mike made it sound like it was the latter I think it may depend on how the Wild plays in the next week um, if they view themselves as a legitimate contender in the West, and really no one in the West is that great on paper except maybe Nashville, um, if they're thinking to themselves, hey, if we get in, maybe we can make a run, well, why would you trade Matt Cullen? Uh, he's a guy who clearly can help you in the postseason. I, I can tell you this. If they make him available, Jim Rutherford will be the first in line. And he doesn't really even deny it when you bring up the guy's name. I mean, he you know he just gets his look on his face. Without like, tampering, but it's right. close. He can't, and he can't, but he does, you know, he'll say something like, well, you know how I feel about him. <laughs> like They would bring him back in a heartbeat. Sullivan would love him to be back. So it's possible. 
All right, so, so let but, me give you this theory real quick. Sure. So if they do that, mm-hmm. are they bringing him back to play the fourth line behind Shane, and then if Sid or Gino get hurt, he goes up the second line? That sounds right. Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, it, that's th- what I was pontificating earlier. They're not bringing him in at 41 years old to play on the third line. Uh, they're not going to do that. And Cheyenne has played much better in the last month. He looks far more comfortable now. Uh, I don't know that whoever produced the way maybe Benino did in the postseason the last two years, but he, he's been a pretty good fit there. Uh, Cullen would be here to be the fourth liner. But the great thing about Matt Cullen, if you need someone to even play with Crosby and Malkin on the wing a game here and there or need someone to fill in in that role with talented players, he can do it. Yeah, so, I was asking him to do that last year in the playoffs yeah. at times. So if he is made available, and I don't believe he has been, I don't know that he will be, but if he is made available, he's coming here. That, that, that's my feeling. Josh Joey from The Athletic with us here on The X. It's the Kings and the Pens coming up at 7 o'clock with the network pregame show coming your way at 6. So if Broussard's asking price is too high and it's not Cullen, is it Peugeot? Because we heard again today Jim Rutherford insist he's going to get another center. Uh, is it Peugeot? Is it Placanic? Is it Latestu? Is there any fire to this smoke for all three of those guys? They like all of them. Um, the, the problem is, or the question is, which one? And I can tell you this. The Penguins, ideally, if it's not Cullen, they actually prefer a right-handed center. Of course, Cullen is left-handed. So Peugeot and Latestu are both right-handed, and that's a Sullivan thing. He, that tells me, you know, they like Carter Rowney. They kind of like him a lot more as the 13th or 14th guy than they do the 12th guy. And, and I like him more as a wing than I do a center. Yeah, I think I might too. And they just want a right-handed guy for face-offs. It's been a real problem for them. When you're as good as the Penguins, you look for the smaller things. And where do they struggle? They're a bad face-off team. They're really you – know, Crosby's okay. Malkin's awful. Cheyenne's been okay, but he's left-handed. So they really want someone for right was good circle. in this circle. The he other was. night, he won 11 of 18. He was. And, you know, we kept bringing up Broussard. I mean, he would be perfect. Sure he would. Because he's talented enough to play with Kessel. But he's a good penalty killer. He's good defensively. He's always good in the playoffs. He would be perfect. But unless the asking price drops, I just don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I posed this question to Mike Rupp. I want to get your opinion on it in the last 90 seconds that we've got left here, Josh, before we got to go. But uh, I asked Rupp for this. He had the same opinion that I did. If it's not the Penguins this year, then who? Who is their biggest hurdle in the East? If they were to emerge from the East, who would be their biggest hurdle in the West? I think Tampa is on paper certainly the biggest hurdle in the East. And I'll tell you, Boston is interesting. They have made a real surge. I think they're good. And I don't think we can totally discount the Capitals, even though that's always fun, I know, because we know what happens that time of year when the Penguins play them. But on paper, Tampa has been the best team in the league most of the season. So I would I would point to them in the West. I would have to look at Nashville. I, that's a really good team. I think they'll make a yeah, deal. I said Tampa and Nashville, too. So. Nashville may make a deal before the deadline for a forward, a Rick Nash type, perhaps. He's been rumored to be going there. Um, I think on paper they're clearly the best team in the West, and let's not act like the Penguins dominated that series last year. Uh, some things had to go in their favor for them to win. They got lucky to win the first two games. Well, if we're analyzing um, you know, the quality of the teams in the Metro versus the quality of the teams in the Atlantic and trying to look beyond some of the numbers, like, for instance, uh, you see the point totals for the three teams in the Atlantic look so much better than the three teams in the Metro. The goal differential, though, suggests those three good teams are just beating up on the bad. I, I don't well, know how many, well, how much within division they've played, well, but it looks that way. Here's what's interesting. that They do play more teams because of their division. There's about six or seven really bad teams in the NHL. There's not that many. About four of them are in that division. That's what I'm saying. So so like, do, and there are no bad teams in the Metro. There's really you know, the Rangers, maybe. The Rangers decide to have a fire sale. But they're not they that to the bad. Worst, but they're not that bad. No. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that division looks very top-heavy. I'm still not so sure that the Penguins and Capitals aren't to be feared in the playoffs, though, especially the Penguins uh, when push comes to shove. Someone still has to beat them, Tim. 
and they're certainly starting to round into form. Now, if Dion Phaneuf has to stay here the entire week and he's not oh. allowed to leave the Pittsburgh International Airport, might we get a visit from Alicia Cuthbert? Well, I mean, let's hope so. And listen, would she like to come to Phil's house? I mean, Dion's been hanging out with Phil. They're buddies. Um, Phil enjoys Rivers Casino. The Penguins. Just Dion. I don't know. I mean, is he allowed to take his gambling winnings but not work here? Is that how that works? <laughs> that's right. That he has to declare them when they go across the border. I don't know. I think that's possible. The Penguins don't go out of town until Saturday night when they go to Columbus. So I think he, a couple of casino nights could work. Dion could house sit. Listen, why not? I, I'm sure and then, Phil keeps And then a clean literally, house. Alicia could be the girl next door. Wow. Just like she was. You're going too far now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, well, don't do it. Be around, uh, I, I don't even want to no. talk about all that. Right, I, right. I know that phrase. Uh, Josh Yoey from The Athletic, thanks for joining us here on the Hockey Night Show. You got it. That'll do it for us. Play-by-play coming your way tonight between Mike Lang or with Mike Lang and Phil Bork. It'll be here on The X. Up next, though, it's Penn's Live pregame getting ready for Pittsburgh and Los Angeles. Pregame yourself here at Buford's right across the street from PPG Paints Arena.